0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Coming up on today's Analytics podcast, it's finally here. NFL Draft Week is upon us. I'll have on Greg Gabriel, a Western New York native who spent Three decades in the NFL as a scout, including nine as the director of scouting in Chicago. And 17 years before that, with the New York football giants, we'll be talking about the Buffalo Bills and the NFL draft, going over several key positions and prospects. And I'll get his final take on a bunch of dudes before asking him for a prediction for who will be calling Western New York their home in just a couple days. I also have on Aaron Quinn from cover one. And we'll be doing our final four-round Buffalo Bills mock draft, done just like the first three, completely in real-time, no pre-script for how things will go before the Bills pick and after. We'll break down a bunch of scenarios, we're going to try to prepare you for what may happen starting on Thursday. Expect the unexpected. All that and more, including a little Game of Thrones talk. But first, today's episode of the Analytics Podcast is brought to you by Pulse cellular pulse Cellular was created to give a better option for everyone looking for premium wireless phone service for less cost with straightforward plans no strings attached and no confusing fine print they strive to be the best value in wireless and support their customers with service they deserve and expect their mission is to provide the best user experience possible for everyday life They have you covered nationwide in the U.S. with unlimited talk, text, and premium. fast LTE data plans, hotspot coverage at no additional cost in all 50 states and U.S. Caribbean regions with additional coverages in Canada and Mexico. Plans are also included with unlimited free Wi-Fi calls internationally when calling U.S. lines and unlimited text and data across 210 countries. There's no credit checks. There's no contracts. There's no overage cost. You can just live life and focus on you. Life is better with pulse.
2: If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moran Analytics Podcast, talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran.
1: All right, what's going on, podcast fans? How you doing? Welcome to episode number 113 of the Analytics Podcast, presented by Pulse Cellular. Today's Tuesday, April 23rd. Thank you, as always, for listening and for downloading. I'll have former longtime NFL scout Greg Gabriel on the show shortly. Right now, though, I got my man Aaron Quinn from Cover One with me going on AQ. Big, big week for any and all football fans. What's up, dude?
0: How you doing? Dude, it is finally here, draft week. Uh, I'm a busy guy right now, but not nearly as busy as the uh, rest of the career cover one. So uh, I'm kind of the lazy one when it comes to it. But man, we are busy right now and it's it, this is what we work up for.
1: All right. So this is what I want to do, man. I'm going to go through a couple of scenarios with the Bills. I want to talk with you about Worst case and best case draft scenarios for Thursday night when it, as it pertains to the Buffalo Bills. A couple other things, then I'll play the interview with Greg, and then we'll come back and we'll do our Bills four-round mock draft in real time. Our final one, we've done three of them. They've went over very well, so I'm really looking forward to doing our final one, because this is the one that's going to have to measure up at the end. A year from now, if we're taping the same segment, how do we do? Well, it's like the first three aren't going to matter. This one's the one that's going to matter.
0: These are our receipts. Yeah, that's these are our receipts. Man.
1: Exactly. All right. Let's start here, okay? Worst case scenario for the Buffalo Bills when they're on the clock on Thursday. And let me know, I'm going to lay out some things and you let me know what you think, okay? Murray's right. going to go one. That Obviously, that's good for the Bills, of course. Bosa's going to probably go second. I think either Quinn Williams or Ed Oliver's going to go three. Ed Oliver's really risen up the boards. There's been reports that he might go as high as three. to in the New York Jets. I think the Jets are going to take one of those guys regardless, okay? And then I think maybe... Josh Allen goes to the Raiders at four or maybe whichever one between Oliver Williams don't go to the Jets at three. Maybe they go to the Raiders at four and Josh Allen slides down the five, okay? They need a pass rusher and they're also looking to replace Gerald McCoy because I still think ultimately they're gonna end up trading him. Those are five picks right away. The Giants, maybe they trade for Josh Rosen or they look at a quarterback at 17 instead of six and they take a pass rusher. And like maybe Rashawn Gary, something like that. Jacksonville at seven, okay? Let's just say they take, they just got Nick Foles. They gave him all that money. Maybe they want TJ Hawkinson. And then Detroit, okay? That'd be the last one up. The other guy that I've been hearing a lot about going to the Buffalo Bills lately, Jonah Williams. TJ Hawkinson, Jonah Williams, lots of talk about those two guys. Let's just say that Detroit with the eighth pick takes a versatile lineman like Jonah Williams over Jawan Taylor. Everything I just laid out to you right now, Ed Oliver's gone. T.J. Hawkinson's gone. Jonah Williams is gone. And then the guys that we already expected, Quentin Williams, Josh Allen, Bosa, Murray, they're all gone too. The Buffalo Bills are on the clock at 9. Those guys are gone. Best players probably at that point, Jawan Taylor, though I'm not really sure the Bills want a right tackle that high. Uh, Rashawn Gary, I just, I, I just don't like that guy that much. Ditto for sure. Brian Burns, Christian Wilkins, Andre Hilliard. Maybe they're a reach at nine. Maybe not. Maybe ditto for no offense. But if it's to play out that way, let's discuss this right now. What do you think the Bills yeah. would do? Obviously, trading down would be a, a a big option. But let's just say again, worst case scenario, they don't get good value and they're stuck there at that ninth pick. What do you think they're doing at nine if it played out that way? It's tough. Yeah.
0: I mean, we were kind of talking about this. Yeah, we we were talking about this a little bit today in our Cover One premium Slack channel, which you can get if you're a premium member and get in there. We talk about every possible scenario you could think of. So if you're into that kind of thing, definitely head over there uh, and join us because it's a fun conversation. It's a fun exercise for these type of things. And we're talking about what our worst case scenarios and a lot of them sound just like what you just talked about. And I think If you're willing to take a guy, TJ Hawkinson, if you're willing to take him at nine, I think that it's not a stretch to say you're willing to take Noah Fant at nine. Would I like Noah Fant later in the first round? Yes. Would I love him at 40? Absolutely. Um, But that's not a crazy out of this world stretch to take him. I think in uh, uh, the draft network, which we use their mock draft, I think he's 15th rated guy on their big board currently. So that's not a huge stretch nine to 15. I mean, it's not the value you want, but the draft's fallen in a really weird way. And if you're stuck at nine and can't get out of the spot, like you said, I I think that's a value. I think Dillard is still a value there. We know the Bills kind of like that guy. Uh, So I think there's there's value there. And I think then the conversation, a guy that we don't necessarily love here, I do think that the conversation of DK Metcalf comes into play if the draft just goes totally off the rails and you're in a situation like this. I think those three guys are really the three guys I'm looking at saying – which of this fits. And as much as I don't like DK Metcalf at nine, and I've been very adamant about this on Twitter and argued with people all, all winter along about this. It's hard to say that he's not a fit for this offense and Josh Allen's talent. So I can see a scenario where they talk themselves into this being, Hey, we don't value him at nine, but out of these three, he's our best player available plus need. We're going to go that direction. So one of those three guys, I think you're having interesting conversations in the war room, and this is why they go through, you know, Brandon Bean talked about it the other day. They go through these things that we're doing, these mock drafts, these trade scenarios, sure. all the scenarios oh, yeah. possible so that when it comes draft day, they already have this answer, right? They've already talked through this solution of saying, wow, the draft didn't really go our way. Here we are at this, this scenario that we've come to. What are we doing, guys? I, I, and if it's me in that room, I think it's one of those three guys.
1: I'll tell you, one guy, by the way, in this worst case scenario I didn't even mention was Montez Sweat, who, by the way, we just he's fallen, man. We just took in our last mock. Well, he's not falling because of anything he's done wrong. He's falling because of no. a heart condition yeah. that I've seen reports. Greg Gabriel, and I'm going to be playing the interview in a little while, he said he's heard from at least 10 teams that have taken him off their board. Totally
0: well, off the board. Totally
1: yeah. off the board. At least a minimum of 10 teams. That's what he's heard. I read reports similar to that. He was a guy that was probably a top 10, I don't want to say a lock, but it was a very good chance he was going into top 10. And in fact, we took him in our last mock
0: draft going to the Bills at nine. This happened to what? What's his name last year? Hurst, Maurice Hurst, a guy I liked in the draft. He fell. Sweat is a guy, man, if he's really off some team's boards and maybe back further on some teams, other team's boards, that's a guy that at 40, if he's there along with Simmons, I'm running up uh, a card and and taking a chance on that guy because he was just a top 10 pick two weeks ago.
1: How much stock do you put into a growing buzz? It seems that the Bills might take. Jonah Williams with the ninth overall pick and offensive lineman. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of torn on it. It's not that I don't like Jonah Williams. I like Jonah Williams. It's just, and I know that all the offensive linemen that they sign, that Mitch Morse is the only one that's like set in stone as a rock solid starter, hopefully for several years to come. Anything that they did outside of Mitch Morse, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're not going to take an offensive lineman. I totally get that. I just feel like on this team right now, after what they've done through free agency and their needs, I just feel like there's so many, not so many, but at least a handful of other positions on this team right now that they should address before offensive line, whether it's Jonah Williams or Hilliard, a guy that Joe B from the Buffalo Bills, from the Bills B podcast that he likes a lot. I don't know, man. I just feel like there's other positions that they need to get after first. And if I'm wrong, man, let me know. Tell me that I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think you're totally wrong, but I do think that it's very much in play. Brandon Bean has done, you know, people can criticize the Bills, McDermott, Brandon Bean for some of the things they've said in the past, whatever. I I know there's a lot of critics out there on Twitter, but one thing I don't think that anyone right now can really criticize them for is how they uh, have approached and attacked this offseason specifically in this entire build. Uh, rebuild that they've done they've really put themselves in the best position to really take best player available I know that obviously interior defensive line is stands out as a real strong need for them right now an edge um, but offensive tackle still right there is a need wide receiver still has needs even though they address these in free agency the free agents that they got especially in the offensive line are not right now, considered long-term solutions. Feliciano has never really started any significant stretch in the NFL. Uh, and yeah, Seki, n- none of them it,
1: have except for more. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Morris is really the only one that has solidified job moving forward, and the contract backs that up. These other guys' contracts are, hey, you're here for one year, and if you're better than uh, the contract shows, we'll pay you and continue to keep you. I only think that's going to happen for maybe a couple guys. There's also still a lot of questions with Deion Dawkins, right? We had a great, or not even a great, we had a good year out of him as a rookie in that first year uh, when he lined up next to Richie Incognito. They got some better interior offensive linemen to go play with him. Can he maintain that rookie year status or is he going to continue on his slump that we saw in his sophomore year? This is really a make or break year for him as well. So he's not even a guy that, to me, prevents me from getting another tackle in this league. So I I don't know, man. The the board falls the right way and depending on their grade on Jonah, Jonah is uh, very good. I think Jonah Williams has suffered from being so consistently good for so long that when it came to this draft process and draft scouts and stuff, I think he started to get taken for granted a little bit of how good he really is and just he's consistent and it's almost a conservative pick. So it's not something that's sexy. It doesn't stand out. It doesn't get your fan base excited. Uh, but I could see being sitting there and saying, Hey man, uh, this, this guy checks all the boxes for us and he could be the franchise left tackle for the next 10 years with Josh Allen. And if that's really what they think about him, it's hard to say no to that.
1: I think if the case played out where we, we spoke of where T.J. Hawkinson went to say Jacksonville at seven and Ed Oliver went top five and Jonah went, to Detroit, I think Noah Fant would be the guy at nine. Yeah. He's a matchup I problem, like and they want to continue to get a web. I think they got enough receivers. That's not to say they're not going to take one in the draft. I think they're going to take a taller receiver at some point, maybe semi early. I don't think it's going to be a nine. I don't know if it's going to be a forty either. I think they're going to take a guy. We've we've discussed this many times during our mock drafts, but I never thought of Noah Fant for two seconds about a top ten pick and being the Bills pick at nine until I laid out the scenario when I saw it. And when I did, I'm like, you know what, that could be the guy.
0: You know, talking through it again in that Slack channel the other day, I kind of said, you know what? I'm starting to think I like the idea of Fant more than Hawkinson for the Bills. Hawkinson is more well-rounded. and I don't think there's any doubt about it that overall he's the best tight end in this draft. But as far as a weapon in the NFL goes, I think Fant's got it. And I think that he might produce quicker and more often than Hawkinson. And you can put that as a receipt for me, and I'm not scared to be wrong. But I I think that his skill set plays a little bit more to – the passing game that the NFL is going to, and and I like the ability that he has to be able to be a mismatch problem all over the field. I
1: read a lot that a lot of comparisons to Jimmy Graham, Yep. a lot of them. I'll take that. Let's flip the script here and let's go best case scenario. Okay, what do you think is the most realistic best case scenario for Buffalo? For me, it would be TJ Hawkinson getting past Jacksonville and Detroit. So, and again, I can't believe we're having this conversation, bro. Where a tight end having a Get to the Bills at nine is even a discussion. But the yeah. way it looks like it's playing out, that is a very big possibility. And for me, it's
0: almost my best case scenario at this point. Yeah, he's definitely rising, uh, especially in this last week here. I, I heard an interesting port, report, I think it was Ian Rappaport. Uh, I, I'm sure you saw the Raiders sent all their scouts home Yeah, uh, this week, and they're not having them back for the draft. And Ian Rappaport reported today that, that part of that is that they have – Essentially, a surprise. This is like a WWE storyline here. They have like a surprise pick that they want to take, and nobody really knows what it is or what they want to do. But it's not something that's being commonly mocked to them, which could really throw a kink in all of this. Because say Murray, and now they're saying Murray's not going to go number one. I don't know if that's smoke screen or not to try to drag get some smoke
1: screen. I think.
0: Yeah, it might be drum up. Hey, is there any trade interest? And how much is somebody willing to pay to get up here? Uh, We'll see. But. you know, maybe they're they're even somebody in the two to second or third pick that they can still get Murray and get a trade. Who knows what they're trying to do there. But anyway, let's assume Murray's still going number one. if the Raiders do something silly and take a quarterback, that really kind of throws a lot of different wrenches into draft plans and pushes somebody down, like you said, if two quarterbacks go in that top five. A talent's getting pushed down somewhere. My dream scenario, which I know you asked for a realistic one, I'm going to give you first my un—I think slightly, mostly unrealistic one—is Quinan Williams falls outside of or right around the top five and the bills can trade up using their 10 assets and future assets into okay, that fifth spot okay. and grab him i think once he falls past four i think that's actually something that's super in play and we're hearing today mccagnon really likes that oliver and is considering at oliver over quinn and williams i forget where i heard that report but there you're seeing that report come out now, uh, that would be a fantastic move. I think if the Jets took Oliver over Quentin Williams, I know a lot of people like Oliver, but he's not Quentin Williams. So uh, I think that'd be great for Mitch Morse to not have to go up against Quentin Williams uh, twice a year. But so that's my ultimate dream scenario. But if it's just falling to the Bills, I think what I like the most right now is uh, if TJ Hawkinson or Jonah Williams can fall there. I think those are the two that I'm hoping for the most right now. And then I guess the backup plan for there, uh, I would say, Ed Oliver. Quentin Williams is a guy that I would trade up for. I would not trade up for Ed Oliver. I do like
1: Ed Oliver. No. But if he falls a nine and the Bills like him, I'm cool with that. I'll, I'm not sure. going to be mad at all if they take Ed Oliver. But Quentin Williams, if he gets to five, I, I would absolutely give up. What do you think it would take? Probably, a, Probably 40, right?
0: Yeah, I think it would be. Yeah, you'd have to give up quite a bit probably to get up there. But you know what? I think he's by far the best player in the draft. I think he's a lot better than Bosa. I I think it's an easy decision for Quentin Williams to be the number one pick in this draft. But somebody's not going to do that. And if he falls outside of the top five or even within that top five enough, I think a lot of teams, it won't just be the bills. And so I think they'd have to overpay because I think there's going to be a lot of teams in that range that are going to start. Hey, he's getting close. Let's move up and get him. Let's talk about your boy,
1: Frank Clark, defensive end from Seattle real quick. I know the Bills are rumored to have some interest in trading for him before free agency even began. His name has popped up again recently in trade talks. I know you're a big fan of his. He's got 32 sacks in his last three seasons. Seattle wants reportedly at least a first-rounder back in any Clark trade. If you're Buffalo Bills GM Brandon Bean right now, and Seattle comes up to you, they haven't had that much success trying to trade around the league, and they said... Let's swap first. I want nine. I'll give you 21. And then I want your fourth rounder, maybe even your third. But let's just say fourth for now. That's number 112, their first fourth rounder. What do you think? You going back 12 spots in the first round and giving up a fourth to get Frank Clark?
0: Absolutely. 100%. No questions asked, especially with the bills having Dan Morgan on staff. I think that that would check the box if they were interested and they ran it by Dan Morgan, who was in Seattle at the time when they drafted Clark. And he said, you know what? This guy checks all the boxes. We're not worried about his past. I think that's enough for Brandon Bean to say, you know what? The production's there. I take production over picks anytime, unless you're in the top three picks and you're getting a blue chip prospect. There is no substitute for proven NFL production, and Frank Clark's got that in spades. Uh, so, and he's a position of need. I have no problems moving back a few spots and giving up a fourth rounder to get a premier talent like that at the age that he's at. And we have the money to pay him. So, that to me is a no brainer. Um, I don't know if Seattle's willing to, to make that move, but Seattle, I think they have to move them. They're not going to be able to pay him right. that Russell Wilson contract is, is uh, going to be an albatross around their necks for years. And they're not going to be able to pay a guy like Clark. And so some team's going to benefit of that. I'm hearing Indy and Kansas City have already engaged in these talks. We haven't heard Buffalo, but that isn't too rare now under the uh, Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott administration. We don't hear anything. Local reporters don't have leads to what's going on. Yeah, they're
1: much more tightly guarded for sure.
0: Yeah, maybe the Bills have reached out and have had these conversations. I think if it is something that's going to happen, obviously we're going to find out here in the next 48 hours or so uh, leading up to the draft. And it might be a draft day trade. You're starting to see some of that stuff a little bit more. Kind of like the NBA trades on draft day, you might see something like that. But I think it's a very far-fetched possibility still that that happens here before the draft. But Brandon Bean's not scared to pull that trigger if, if the draft if the pick becomes available.
1: You, I would run. To the phone to accept that trade if I were the Bills. Clowney too, man. I I
0: know they're trying to get a a long-term deal with Clowney. He's another guy that I, I would take him over really anybody in that top 10 in this draft. I've read a lot
1: of reports out there that say after the first seven, eight, nine picks or so, the difference between picking 12 and 20 or 25 in terms of value is not all that great. So if the Bills went back to 21 and they could get a defensive tackle, maybe Tillery... Somebody
0: Wilkins is there Wilkins if he could be there. there. I
1: I would even give up. I'll tell you what, man, I'd give up that third instead of that fourth. If it took seventy four to get it done, I don't see it happening, though, just for the record, but it is a possibility.
0: Oh yeah, no, it totally is. And I would like to be back there. Cause like you said, Tillery Wilkins, those are guys that are, I'm high on, and I don't think that they make it to at one point it looked like they might be around 40. I don't think they're going to make it past there now. Um, and I've seen some mocks where Noah Fant sitting there. So say you can get Frank Clark and walk away with Noah Fant in the twenties. That's a win, man. Sure. One more bills item here. Okay.
1: They signed TJ Yeldon on Monday. To me, that feels like one of two things, either they're deciding to punt running back in the draft this year, at least in the early to mid rounds. And they'll worry about it next year in 2020. Or maybe what I've been saying for a long time now, maybe Lashawn McCoy spot on this team is still not that secure when this whole process is said and done. What do you think? Does that move the needle for you at all? TJ Eldon joining the team. That's three veterans though.
0: Yeah, I like the signing, and I don't think that it has anything to do with LaShawn McCoy, in my opinion. I think that the signing—T.J. Yeldon is a name that is familiar to people, mostly because he has good fantasy statistics, I think. Uh, He's uh, pretty much a mediocre running back overall, but what I like that they've done is— obviously they upgraded the line which should help LaShawn McCoy and and be essentially an upgrade for LaShawn moving forward they upgraded Chris Ivory to Frank Gore even though Frank Gore is older he's still a productive back so I think they upgraded the running back number two spot and what they done with this and I think I think you're right you nailed it on the head that this is an indication that they have done their research on this draft and have Probably determine that the best running backs are going to probably be in the top three rounds. They don't want to use the assets that they have in those three rounds to attack the running back position. Right. And then once you get past those rounds, it gets really iffy and i think i would take again back to proven production i think i would take yeldon over any of the guys on day, you know the the later days of the draft here day three um i would take yeldon over any of those guys at this moment so i think it upgrades the running back number three from marcus murphy who really wasn't productive last year at all and i think it upgrades that entire room and it really allows them to kick the can down to 2020 where uh you you probably lose leSean McCoy anyway in 2020 you're going to lose frank gore you still have yeldon in on contract where you can sign another vet in 2020 and then draft somebody in the top three rounds because you've filled a lot of your other needs in 2019. You can really take a swing on running back in the first three rounds next year, and it's not going to hurt your building your roster.
1: It definitely makes sense. You don't take a running back just to take one. Let me. No. I, I will tell you this, though, and I'm going to be Debbie down here for a quick minute. Are you a little concerned that this kid's, what, 24, 25 years old? He's been sitting around a free agency that long, Was went unsigned, and then he ends up signing with the Buffalo Bills, who already have LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore. Obviously, he couldn't get
0: anything better anywhere else. Does that concern you a little bit? Because he is still kind of uh... young. You know, the only reason it doesn't concern me is because he's running back three. If they were bringing him in to be the backup to LaShawn McCoy, then I would be a little bit more concerned. But I don't think they're really expecting a lot out of him just to be maybe better than what Marcus Murphy offered. And I think right out of the gate, he does. Uh, If he if he produces, that's great. If he doesn't, I don't think they're losing out in really any way with the running back three. But yeah, you're right. I think at this stage in free agency here, right before the draft, you're you're hoping guys hit really really good teams have hit on guys in this area and sometimes it's just about getting the right fit and maybe he wasn't the right fit for some of the teams that looked at him and maybe he is the right fit for the bills i don't know yet i haven't had a real chance to go back and watch tj yeldon yet today i've been so busy and consumed with the draft probably after the draft i'll sit down and and see how he is expected to fit into this team and, and what they're looking for i'm thinking that maybe they'll he'll be that like uh out of the backfield, catch passes, pass guy that say James White is for the Patriots and that offense. I think that that maybe that's how they plan to use him. But yeah, no, you're right. There's some concern that he's lasted this long into free agency, especially at his age. But that is also a benefit that they probably we don't know the details of the contract yet, but it probably is not a very expensive deal. And he still is young where he can turn things around and really resurrect his career here. All
1: right. This seems like the perfect time to pump the brakes on this segment. I want to get to my interview with longtime former NFL scout, Greg Gabriel. I'll tell you what, Bills fans, he's got some strong takes on a lot of these prospects, especially Ed Oliver. To be honest with you, kind of took me back a little bit when I talked to him, when he talked about Ed Oliver. Lots of good stuff here with Greg. Going to play that interview now, and then we're going to come back, me and you, Aaron, and we're going to do our final Buffalo Bills four-round NFL mock draft in real time. First, though, here's Greg Gabriel. All right, my guest spent three decades in the NFL as a scout, including nine as director of scouting in Chicago, 17 years prior to that with the New York Giants, still very active in football, draft analyst via radio, print publication, social media, all that stuff. Western New York native Greg Gabriel is joining me right now. What's going on, Greg? How you doing? I'm doing real good. How about you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for coming on. This is for a second time now. And I want to focus on like maybe four or five draft positions while I have you on regarding the bills. But before that, I would encourage people if they didn't hear it the first time around, if they're kind of new to this podcast, I had you on about a year ago it was episode 13. Go back in those archives and check it out because we spent a lot of time talking about your life and your career. It was really good stuff. I remember that conversation well. I love having an opportunity to get a Buffalo guy on the podcast. Always fun.
2: Well, I enjoy doing it, and uh, anything for a Buffalo guy is good with me.
1: (laughs) Before we talk about the draft, I actually, before we get into this year's draft, I want to talk for a minute about Josh Allen. I remember about a year or so ago at this time, you were not very high on him at all. To be fair, neither was any draft analyst, pretty much anywhere, especially ones that I had on this podcast. In fact, I remember Benjamin Albright saying, jokingly, of course, if he was Buffalo, he'd rather not make the pick at all than go ahead and take Josh Allen. But anyway, he had a pretty good rookie year, ups and downs like you would expect from a rookie, but he showed a lot that I think that many people did not expect. What are your feelings right now, having a year to break down his film and digest him? What are your feelings right now about him going into year two that maybe you didn't see going into year one?
2: Yeah, I've seen every game and and basically every uh, throw he had during the season and I'll tell you what I missed. and this comes from and i'm not making an excuse for my original grade on him because I, I would you know with this under the same circumstances with and with the same information i would write the exact same thing but when you're an analyst now i'm not working for a club so i'm not making school calls and when you're not making school calls you're not finding as much out about the person in depth as you do as as an analyst and and sitting in an office and just watching the tape and then not talking to coaches and what i didn't know about josh allen what i know now talking to people in buffalo working for the organization who've been around the kid is his work ethic is exemplary you know he has got superb football character the game means a lot to him he wants to be a great player he will do whatever it takes to be a great player. And those traits will put him over the top. Now he may never win a super bowl, but I think he's good enough to get to the playoffs. He might even be good enough to win uh, a, a playoff game. Once he gets to the playoff beyond that, you know, a lot of that, there's luck involved and, and who's the supporting cast, et cetera. But I, I think he has a bright future. You'll I think you'll see a big jump in his play. And this is second year. He'll understand the defense or the offense better. Uh, He'll understand reading defenses better. And of course, the Bills have gone out and, and got a better supporting cast around him as far as the offensive line and the wide receiver core. And that could even be picked up more in this upcoming draft this weekend.
1: How much do you think the additions of guys like Cole Beasley and John Brown will help Josh Allen going forward in year two? He had. He was a raw rookie coming in, so we all knew he was going to have his struggles. And sure enough, he definitely did. But at least to some extent, and this is not to make any excuses for him whatsoever, but there was a lack of personnel and a lack of talent around him. And it seems like the Bills have went out and helped address that between the wide receiver position, tight end, and especially the offensive line. How much do you think that's going to matter in year two? Do you agree that that's at least some of the reason why he had struggles like he did last year? Oh, yeah.
2: And, and you know, I'm based in Chicago now, so I see the Bears and and Mitch Trubisky a lot. He went through a lot of the same growing pains as a rookie, and he, too, as a rookie, had a very subpar supporting cast. And you can use Goff, Jared Goff from the Rams, too. Rookie year, uh, subpar uh, supporting cast, the wide receiver core was poor. So it, in all three cases, that was the case. The case of Goff and the case of Trubisky, they took big jumps in their second year. Both players took their teams to the playoffs in their second year. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case with the Bills getting to the playoffs this year, but I think, you know, the arrows pointing up. They've got to have a good draft, get some players that can come in and play and, and be contributors as rookies, and then they got they got a chance. But, you know, in, in the AFC East where you got the New England Patriots, the current world champs, you know, it's always tough to be anything except a wild card team because the Patriots are just so darn good. Sure. Let's
1: get down to business and talk a little bit about the draft. There's five positions I think the Bills are locks to address. I won't, I shouldn't say a lock because I guess you never know. They're expected to address at some point of the draft and not any specific order here either. And I do want to start with the defensive tackle position because it appears to be that's the Bills' biggest gaping need right now with Kyle Williams gone and defensive tackle, one of the few positions that the team really didn't do anything to address in free agency. In fact, they did nothing at all with the exception of re-signing one of their own, Jordan Phillips. Now, Quentin Williams, he's a guy that everyone expects to be gone for sure. And it's increasingly, over the last week or so, sounding like Ed Oliver will be gone too if the Bills have to wait until nine to get him. How did Oliver go from being in the early teens and early mock drafts to seemingly a top six lock over these last few weeks? How does that happen?
2: Well, it's you know, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, and and I'll say this. You know, right now, there's a lot of people who are speculating that he's going to go number three to the Jets that Greg Williams uh, thinks he can be another Aaron Donald. I'll say right now, that's a mistake. You know, I don't like him. I don't like him for the Bills at, at nine. I think he's a middle of the first round player at best and there's bust potential in him because you go back and you look at the tape, the tape isn't very good. He didn't make very many plays. He was kind of lackadaisical and he had a problem with the coaching staff the later part of the year. You know, I look at stuff like that and it turns me off for a football player. You want a guy that's playing hard down in and down out and that's not him. So I, personally, from my standpoint, if the Jets take him, that's great. It that means the Bills get to play against him twice a year. Hmm. Well, let let
1: me ask you this, and you wait out about what you don't like about Ed Oliver, and let's assume Quinn Williams is gone. Are there one or two defensive tackles? The Bills are going to probably, I don't want to, you never know. I mean, they could go the free agent route after the draft if they don't find a guy that they like, but you would assume that they're going to address defensive tackle in the draft relatively early. Are there any other guys like you personally like, like maybe Christian, maybe not a nine, obviously not a nine, but maybe like Jerry Tillery or Christian Wilkins or, Dexter Lawrence from Clemson, one of those guys. Is there anyone out there at that position that you think would be a good fit for Buffalo?
2: Um, if, if a guy like Zach Allen from Boston College gets to them in the second round, I wouldn't. I got him going in the first round personally, but I, you know, if he got to the second round, I take him in a heartbeat. Tillery's got a lot of talent. I don't know if the game needs as much to him as you want for a guy that. You know, he's a very smart kid. He's got other interests besides football, whether, you know, he, he wants to be a 10-year a NFL player or a guy who's going to be a one-contract player and done, you know, that remains to be seen. So, to me, there's risk involved to take him, not questioning the talent. The talent's very good. A player like Dexter Lawrence from Clemson could make it to them in the second round. Uh, that's up in the air. But then you've got other players – Uh, Gerald Willis from Miami, Isaiah Bugs from Alabama. You know, the the defensive line or the defensive tackle position is deep. Personally, I would think that more so than an inside player, the Bills need a a dominant pass rusher. And I I would address that before I'd address the inside position.
1: All right, well, let's address defensive end. Nick Bosa is going to be gone for sure. Josh Allen, everything I've seen suggested, he's definitely going to be gone well before nine. And you look at the rankings and through the process has been Montez Sweat has been the guy that would probably be that third defensive end off the board. Got some things going on with him though. How do you feel about him right now? Do you think the Bills still might take him at nine despite what we're hearing out there? And if so, do you think he would be a good fit for Buffalo?
2: Well, number one, he's going to be there long past nine because he's got a medical problem, and that's been well well publicized uh, the last few days. Uh, I know for a fact that there are more than ten teams that have failed amount of physical uh, whether uh, and in fact I, I know it's like I said, I know it's more than that i I don't want to say the exact number that I know of. Uh, it's a concern. I don't know if the bills have passed or failed. Uh, with him, uh, it wouldn't surprise me that he goes in the first round because there are a number of teams that have cleared him, uh, but there is risk involved. I I think he's going to go in the bottom part of the first round, you know, somewhere between 21 and 32, where he would have been a guy that would have been a legitimate contender for the Bills pick at nine. So now you start looking at the list. Okay. Who could you take as a, uh, Nick Bosa is not going to be there. There are people around the league that think Josh Allen will go between five and 10 and not one and five, but I'm not one of them. I don't think he's going to be there for the bills, but then when Brian Burns, if if they like him, I think nine's a little high, but he he has the uh, traits and and the uh, athletic ability to be a dominant edge pass rusher in the league. So, that could be a, a person that uh, the Bills may be looking at. But then when you get into, you know, the later rounds or, or the second round, it could be uh, Jalen Ferguson, who had like 18 sacks at, at Louisiana Tech. If he had a better workout, he would have been, you know, a first-round player. Yeah. Uh Farrell is going to be a bottom-of-the-first-round guy. Uh, maybe goes into the second round. Uh, second round or into the third round. Or Shane Jimenez from Old Dominion uh Porter Gustin from USC, Anthony Nelson, Iowa. You know, there's a bunch of guys. Uh Winovich from uh, Michigan is a guy I taken the third round in a heartbeat. So th- there's plenty of guys. I mean, the position that I hear that is going to go to the Bills in-, in the first round will either be a tight end or an offensive tackle.
1: What about Rashawn Gary from Michigan? I've seen some mock drafts where he goes as early as six or seven, and then I've seen some mocks where he's there still in the late teens. Defensive end, he can move inside, versatility and athleticism is his strength, but not a lot of production, and it seems to me the pulse I get from Bills fans anyway, which again doesn't really matter, is that's not a pick that they would be very happy with if Buffalo took him at nine. What are your thoughts on him?
2: Uh, From an athletic standpoint, yes. I mean, his athletic traits are rare. You know, we talked about Ed Oliver, the same type of guy. He doesn't show up on tape. You know, his, his uh, stats over three years of Michigan are very, very average. In fact, I just mentioned Winovich a, a, a minute ago. He actually outplayed Gary as far as, as sack totals and, and number of tackles, yet he wasn't anywhere near the physical talent that Gary is. Uh, I, I think, you know, you, you take Gary between 10 and 20. You don't take him in the top 10. Uh, he also has a shoulder problem. Uh, that some teams are concerned about. And from what I understand, when he's at the combine, they wanted him to take an MRI on that shoulder so they could see exactly what the problem is. He refused the MRI uh, because of claustrophobia. You know, he thought he might get claustrophobia in there. He could have done it in an open MRI. I don't, I don't know if that was, wasn't available or he just refused it. I don't have the answer to that, uh, but there's question marks on him. and, and, uh, from what I've been told, the type of player that, that Sean McDermott wants is a great guy in the locker room, a glass eater, so to speak, a guy that's all team, and players like Oliver and Gary to me are the opposite from what he is he's looking for for the Buffalo Bills team. But now, could they still go out and take these guys? Absolutely. I'm just thinking that that's not what they're looking for.
1: One more question, then I want to move on and talk a little bit about the offensive tackle and tight end positions. So you've established with Montez Sweat that nine's definitely going to be too high to take him because of the injury risk and stuff going on with him. And then Jeffrey Simmons is another guy, an interior defensive lineman, really talented, but he's coming off a torn ACL, so nine's way too high to take him. Whereas the case with Sweat and with Simmons, neither of them are going to be there at 40. If you're a team like Buffalo... And by some miracle, they did. One of them did fall to 40. Or say you want to go up and get one of them knowing the risk of of getting them, at least especially for 2018 anyway. Is that the kind of luxury that a team like the Buffalo Bills can afford to do? Go on and get a guy who's probably not going to do much if anything to help them this year, at least in, in the form of Simmons anyway. Or is that just, is that something you do? Or is that just too much of a luxury a team that's rebuilding, like say the Buffalo Bills.
2: Well, to me, in, in a situation like Simmons, uh, you know, chances are he's not going to play this year, right? Because he he tore the ACL late. Yeah, he's right. Uh, shirt. you know, he this, he's just starting his. He's just starting his rehab. You know, you want a guy who's going to step on the field. Uh, you know, if I got extra picks, if I'm sitting there and I got two twos or and two threes or something like that, then. You know, you can say, OK, let's do it because you're still going to have another second round pick that you can get production out of while you're redshirting the the one player. Um, but in a situation like the Bills of last year where they had all those picks, that would have been a year you could have done uh, a move like that. This year, I don't see it happen. I think they got to get production out of these guys. And it, it's where a, a team that's going to get him is going to be a team that that has the ability to sit and wait, and it's not going to affect their team that much.
1: Let's talk about tight end for a minute here. Had you told me two months ago that taking a tight end in the top 10 was even a realistic possibility for Buffalo, I probably would have thought you were crazy. I'd be like, they're going to take a tackle, they're going to take a wide receiver, they're going to take Ed Oliver, they're going to take Montez Sweat or some other edge rusher. But as this played out the way it is working out? Like you said, Oliver might go early, plus you're not a big fan of him. What's going on with Sweat's going to push him way back. Stuff like that. DK Metcalf has fallen some. Taking a tight end not only is realistic, it's almost likely at this point between Hawkinson or Noah Fant. And you could even make a case that not only is tight end in need, but if the draft board falls the way you think it might be, that maybe one of those two guys might end up being, and by the way, I want to hear your thoughts on both of them. One of those two guys might actually end up being the best player available as well as a big need at nine. Would you agree?
2: Well, to be honest with you, I don't think Hawkinson makes it to him. Really? Yeah, I think he's gone one or two picks ahead of him. Um, In fact, I got him going in a uh, a mock draft that I did today for Pro Football Weekly. I think I got him going to Jacksonville. Oh, wow! um, A couple picks ahead. Uh, He is a legitimate top 10 player in fact i've got both him and fant going in the top 10 now might be a little high for for fant but at the same time he's got freak traits i mean this guy's a 4-5-0-40 guy and there's going to be a difference maker on the field because of that speed and athleticism he runs good routes he catches the ball he's good after the catch he's going to be a uh, niche i can't even talk here mismatch nightmare for defenses because of his athleticism. You know, you're gonna have to put a corner on it because there ain't gonna be a safety in the league that can cover a guy as big as he is who can run like he can. So mm. uh he's not gonna be the blocker that Hawkinson is, but he you know he's the more of a move type tight end. If if that's what you're looking for and y- you can live with and I'm not gonna say blocking deficiencies because I think he's a decent blocker. He's a, you got to be at, at Iowa because they run the ball so much and he's played in tight. He's just, he's got to get a little stronger, get a little bigger to be the type of player that can play that wide position, at least half the downs and give you production against NFL caliber outside linebackers or defensive ends, a blocker right now. He's not, he could be a year from now, but you know, if he, if he went in the top 10 wouldn't shock me at all. And I wouldn't say it's a reach. Wow. I'm a little
1: taken back. I got to be honest with you here, Greg. I, Hawkinson to the Bills at nine was something that I could expect. No offense, going as high as nine to the Bills. Didn't expect that. I mean, it does make very, very good sense for sure. Let me ask you this. Not that it matters. The fans are going to chair the guy or they're going to boo the pick or they're going to chair it for 10 seconds. And then after that, it means nothing. It comes down to what happens over the next four or five years. But let's just say if the Bills were to take Noah Fan with the ninth pick, you know the Buffalo fan base well enough. How do you think that'd be received?
2: Well, I, I think Hawkinson is a the guy that they would like if it's a tight end, but, it, and I'm only going on what I hear from the research I do. When I understand that they'd like either Hawkinson or the uh, Alabama offensive tackle, Jonah Williams. And Jonah Williams is, is, you know, fits that profile that Sean McDermott wants as far as being, you know, great team player, uh, hard worker, great work ethic, uh, a a good teammate, solid in the locker room, uh, tough as nails. You know, either one of those guys would be great. And and there's a a possibility one of them could be, be there. There's a possibility both of them could be gone. And then I'll throw one other name at you, but he's not a left tackle athletically he could play left tackle he's just never played it in in his life and he's going to go in that area and that's uh, Juwan Taylor from Florida but he's played all he's always played right tackle at the University of Florida very very athletic still a young guy had another year of eligibility so he's still growing and and, and maturing now he was a guy that earlier in his career he's probably 340 350 now he's down to 312 pounds moves really really well uh, and, you know, he's a guy that, you know, wouldn't shock me that if, if Jonah Williams is gone, the Bills go in that direction.
1: Let me circle back to tight end real quick here before I ask you anything about the offensive tackle position. Let's just say for the sake of discussion that TJ Hawkinson does go before nine, which is very realistic. You said it, Jacksonville at seven, maybe Detroit at eight. And maybe just for the sake of discussion, the Bills conclude that Noah Fett might be a little too rich for their blood with the knife pick. Maybe they want to move down and get them, but they couldn't move down. They couldn't get a partner, whatever. Who are a couple tight ends in this draft that you might like? Maybe Irv Smith Jr. or Jay Sternberger, Dax Raymond, Dawson Knox. Are there any of these tight ends that you like beyond the two Iowa guys? Obviously not with the ninth pick, but sometime after that for Buffalo? Uh,
2: there's a bunch I like, but not that high. You know, you're going to take them maybe 40. Later in the draft.
1: Yeah, maybe second yeah, or third I mean, round.
2: Th- Second, third, even into the fourth round, depends on, you know, Herb Smith could go at the bottom of the of, of the second, but I like him better, or bottom of the first, I like him better in the second round. Uh, he's going to be a real good pro. Uh, a guy who's coming out, probably getting the third round, uh, is Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M. Uh, Dax Raymond, the guy from from Utah State who can play inside and be that blocker that you need as well as athletic enough to be a receiver and be the move guy. You know, he's a guy you're probably going to get in the third and fourth round. Tight end traditionally isn't a high priority draft item as far as in the premium rounds unless the guy is special. And the two guys from Iowa are special. After that, you know, they're in the mix. You'll see one or two maybe go in the second round couple go in the third round, a couple go in the fourth round, but the position is deep enough that you can get one, you know, in those middle rounds of the draft.
1: You mentioned Jonah Williams at tackle. Clearly you like him. On the right side, you got Jawan Taylor, but is nine a little too rich for the bills to take a right tackle? And also Andre Hilliard, he's a left tackle, not ranked rated as high as Jonah Williams, but maybe he's another possibility at the end of the day, Is Jonah Williams the only offensive tackle that, if you're the Buffalo Bills, you would consider taking with that ninth overall pick?
2: No, no. Number one, I think this is the best tackle class we've probably seen in the last four years. And, you know, I didn't mention Dillard. He's the best—Dillard is the best pass blocking tackle uh, in this draft. Got to work on his run-blocking. Part of it is the offense he played in at Washington State you know, so he's always playing in a two point stance, didn't fire off the ball. Like some of the other guys, that's a coaching point. He's got the athleticism, got the toughness. You know, he's a guy that plug and play guy, you know, if the bills took him at nine, nobody's going to argue and say it was too high. And, and the same with Taylor, except for Taylor, he's never athletically. He can play the left side, but it's a transition for him because he's never done it. He's always played on the right side. So, and, and, you know, do you, do you say, well, it's too high to take a right tackle? Well, McGlinchey went at 10 last year to San Francisco, and nobody said anything about that. So, what's the difference between 9
1: and 10? Sure. I think that's a good point. Let's talk about one more position, and that's wide receiver. Early in this practice or this process, especially after the combine, DK Metcalf was the toast of the town. He was a lock at one point. It seemed, anyway, to be a top 10 player. Right now, as we're just, what, 48 hours before the draft. I don't see any way that the Bills would take Metcalf as high as nine. Do you see that happening?
2: I don't see a receiver getting drafted in the top 20. And two, possibly three in the first round, uh, all in that bottom third of the, of the first round. Maybe one goes in the teens. Metcalf can run like hell. Uh, he's a physical guy, he's going to be a deep threat as soon as he's on the field. Uh, as you saw in his workout, the leaping ability, the straight line speed and quickness is rare. But his change of direction, he's got some tightness in his hips. Uh, his, I drafted his, his father here in Chicago it was with my first draft, and oh. uh, the kid was born right down the street from me. So I, you know, I knew him when he was a little guy. I haven't uh, seen him since. Uh, but you know, he's a guy I think is going to go towards the bottom of the first round and. You know, talking to uh, some friends of mine who are GMs in the league now, they think you're going to have to limit the route tree that he runs because of his athletic deficiencies. Unless, you know, in a flexibility program or put him in a yoga program where he can uh, improve his hip flexibility and be able to get in and out of cuts on those multi-cut type routes a little better than he uh, can right now. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be using him on three or four routes of the route tree. And he could be very, very good being used that way. But you can't ask him to write, uh, run seven, eight, nine different types of routes.
1: Do you think Buffalo maybe even the second round? Considering what they added in free agency, let me put it to you this way. If the Bills were to take a wide receiver, let's just say hypothetically at 40, okay? That kind of pushes, doesn't that push like either Zay Jones or Robert Foster to a fifth wide receiver role on this team on the depth chart? Because they went out and they got Beasley. They got John Brown. Foster, Zay Jones, if you add a rookie in, somebody's got to be the odd man out, right?
2: Well, there's never anything wrong with competition. And sure. It makes everybody better. Uh, it's a good wide receiver class. You say, I don't see, there's not guys that you're going to take in the top 10, but there are players you're going to take, like I said, in the, in the bottom third of the first round and through the second is probably going to be receiver heavy even going to be corner heavy in the second and third round. You'll see a lot of those guys go, uh, and, and there'll be a, a bunch of players taken. There's going to be a local player that would be a really good third round pick, uh, for the bills. And that's Anthony Johnson. For yeah. You know, he's, I think he's a guy that can come in and play right away as a rookie. Physical receiver knows how to use his body. Another guy you'd get the second round, a real tall receiver with athleticism is a key Butler from Iowa state. Uh, you got Debo Samuel, Moore going to be a slot receiver. And the Bills seem to have a bunch of those guys. So there's this Kelvin Harmon from NC State didn't run uh, as fast as people like. But, you know, in the third round, that's a quality pick. So, you know, a lot of receivers there. You know, and if that's what you want to take, you're going to find one in the first three rounds.
1: All right. Last question, Greg, then I'll let you go. I know how busy you are, especially this time of week. So I really appreciate your time. When it's all said and done, I'm going to put you out of spot. Of course I am. The draft's in just two days. Give me your pick right now. Who do you predict the Buffalo Bills are going to take with the ninth overall pick? And I guess this is going to be a two-parter. Give me one draft day shocker. And it doesn't have to involve the Buffalo Bills. It can involve any team around the league. So Buffalo Bills pick at nine and a draft day shocker. What do you, what do you got?
2: Well, I'll say if if Jonah Williams is there, that's going to be the, the Bills pick. And the only other guy I could see that upset that if both Williams and Hawkinson are there, then it might be a coin flip. Then as far as the shocker, it's not a shocker. I've just done a lot of research on this. I think the guy that's going to go in the top five that people didn't have going in the top five 10 days ago is uh, the Duke quarterback, Daniel Jones to the Giants or top six. I I think he'll go six to the Giants.
1: Wow. All right, everyone. Follow Greg on Twitter at Greg Gabe. Thanks a lot, Greg, man. This was fun. This was good, informative stuff just days before the draft. I love it.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: That was Greg Gabriel. Thanks, Greg. All right, man, here we go. Our fourth and final Buffalo Bills four-round NFL mock draft. We've had and Williams, Ed Oliver, and Montez Sweat go to the Buffalo Bills during our first three, this is the one we got to put our names to with our receipts, as you said <laughs> earlier in our segment. I'm going to say one thing before we get started too, okay? This is a gut feeling. Nothing to do necessarily. I don't know how this mock's going to play out because we're doing it in real time. But let me say this. I think when it's all said and done, I think the Bills are going to end up with Ed Oliver, whether he falls to them at nine or whether they move up a couple spots for him. And the reason why I just feel like, like last year, we always knew they were going to take quarterback, and I—I I, at least I did. I always felt like they were going to get a middle linebacker in this draft as well. This year, going by what they did in free agency, all the moves they made, they've done nothing at defensive tackle. It just tells me that they're going to go after a defensive tackle early. I like Quinn Williams more than at Oliver, but I think Williams will be gone by four, five at the absolute latest. So in that case, Oliver's clearly the second best guy. And I think even if they have to move up a couple spots, I think if Oliver's there, maybe starting at, say, six, that they might even actually move up to get Ed Oliver. But one way or the other, my gut tells me that the Bills, when this is said and done, before we start the mock draft, are going to end up with Ed Oliver. Uh, I I hope you're wrong on that. <laughs>
0: trading up for you're Oliver. not the really only do. one. I like Oliver just enough at nine, I think, and I've talked myself into it. And I have a little bit of concern. Obviously, I haven't, I didn't hear yet with Greg. I'll have to listen to that when it comes out, his conversation that you guys had. My concerns with Oliver are that he seems to take some plays off. Uh, it, it appears when he's on and he's going, he's great. He does not have that motor. If he could kick that motor into a Kyle Williams motor, he could be Great. And I think that's the biggest difference between him and Aaron Donald, who people compare him to Aaron Donald a lot. Aaron Donald has a huge motor and really doesn't give up on plays where I see it from Ed Oliver giving up on plays, not playing through plays where you'd like to see a blue chip prospect would really play through that. And then you have some of the concerns where, where you saw the the fight with the coach over the coat. Yeah, it's a stupid rule. Yeah, the coach was probably a little bit stupid, but out of your premier player that's your top NFL prospect in your school, you, you expect a little bit more of a standard out of that guy. And it doesn't appear that that's just kind of a one-off thing. You're hearing that he's kind of a, a jerk to be around and things like that. So I, the Bills are obviously going to vet him, and if they do take him, they're comfortable with that. I just don't know that that's the kind of guy you want to bring in after you've built up you know this team and all this stuff and then you got some guy that's really about himself from the reports obviously I don't know at Oliver so I'm just speaking on reports but those those two things primarily concern me a little bit but not enough to stay away from at nine just enough to trade up for him
1: fair enough I agree with your assessment by the way I just feel like it's gonna happen I think last year I just feel last year the quarterback and middle linebacker was always gonna happen early and I think it's gonna be the same this year with the DT
0: it's a niche, man. They got to, they got to address it.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's get going and we're going to find out actually in about a minute. Right. Here. We're creating the mock draft Buffalo bills. We select, we're going to use their predictive board Four rounds. We said seven, but we both decided before taping this, no one's going to care about seven. And we we would just be throwing names out there to throw it out there. I think it would lose some of its value at that point.
0: Oh, I agree.
1: All right. So here we go. We're going to start the draft the first eight on the clock and then the Buffalo bills. Let's see here. Now, see, there's going to be one thing here because I don't think this uh, this mock draft is a culmination of a bunch of mock drafts and I think they get scores and that's how they rank the players where they go. So I'll get to this in a second, but they got heh, Nick Bosa going one. No, nah, no. All right, whatever, they got that. Josh Allen going two, Quinn Williams three, Rashawn Gary four, Devin White five. By the way, I should have discussed him when we talked about the best case scenarios for a bill. I think Devin White going in the top eight would be one for sure because they have no interest in a linebacker. Yeah. Number six. uh, See, this has got to be a mistake on the run. Forget the teams. Let's just name the players, okay? Kyle Murray, then Montez Sweat, who we already know is not going to, uh, well, we don't know that. We assume that it's not going to be a top 10 pick. All it takes is one team that feels good about his medical and they take him. It's all it takes is one team. All right, eighth, TJ Hawkinson. So he's out. So here we go. We're on the clock. We're at nine, and I'm gonna let you be GM here, okay? I'm gonna let you make the final call. We got Jawan Taylor, we got Ed Oliver, of course. We have Noah Fent, and uh, we have Jonah Williams.
0: What's up? Talk to me. Well, I think it's totally fair. I know that you. I, I'm gonna trust your gut feeling on this one, and and I think it's totally reasonable that if Oliver's there, that he's he's I, a guy that they're targeting. I, I just don't think. I don't, think, me, he's, I I don't be, think
1: he's gonna be there in nine. I really, really don't.
0: Yeah. It, well, I'm telling you, man, if the reports about the Raiders doing something stupid or I shouldn't say stupid, doing something different uh, is true. That could be something like DK Metcalf going at four, which I know is totally crazy, but we don't know what Mike Mayock is going to be like in the draft process. We don't know how much power. Very the group true. Has. You know, they could do something totally silly. I think there's also going to be trades in the top 10 that we just don't see coming and it might be the bills. So, as far as what we see coming, there's a little bit of that that we just don't know. I think you have to play through the board, right, in these mock scenarios. Yes, we do. And I've seen in all the different ones that I mentioned, I've seen Ed Oliver there at nine, and it's not totally crazy. I'm doing one along with you uh, just so I can kind of stay, keep an eye on the prospects. And the one I'm doing, and Williams is there. And, and so doing these mocks, there's all kinds of crazy, wacky things. I agree with you. I think if he's there at eight, the Lions are running up to grab at Oliver. I don't think he gets past the Lions. Unfortunately, we're drafting right along with the Lions, and they have the same needs as the Bills. So no matter how this falls, they could be stealing a guy that's right on the Bills board if you want to say, Hey, he's not there because of the mock system. I understand that, but no, if, we're going to
1: play by the rules. He's there. All right.
0: If, he, if you're comfortable with it, I think he totally fits what uh, a need. I don't know that he fits their archetype just because of his size, but they might be willing to get over his size because they see the potential and maybe they, they value him higher. But for me, it would be between him and Jonah. And I'd go with your gut on this one.
1: So we're going to take Ed Oliver then, right? Yes, sir. All right, man. Done deal. Ed Oliver is now a Buffalo Bill in our final mock draft. And we are headed towards pick number 40 in round two. Now, the first time I know this by heart, because we've done it enough times, I always race down to number 50 on the big board here and see if Irv Smith Jr. is on the board. We haven't taken him every time, but I've always looked. Let's see. And again, we are doing this in real time. And he is, Uh uh-oh, he's not there. He's not there on mine either. No or yeah. Smith. So what are we looking at here? We've taken a defensive tackle. I well, mean they can go, they who could do go you almost guys? anywhere.
0: No, I can't see yours. On mine, Jerry is still available. Is he
1: still available on yours? Let's uh let's look right here. He is not. However, okay. De- the best defensive tackle is the one who would play in two thousand nineteen anyway. Dexter Lawrence from Clemson is on the board. We've yep. already taken that Oliver though, so I don't do you think they go back to uh probably not, no. Um, I mean, is, uh, off- offensive tackle is always, uh, you know, if they pass it there again, Er Smith was probably the, the only tight end in that range that it would take Titus Howard from Alabama state.
0: That's an intriguing prospect. That's on the board right now. Uh, Caleb McGarry, is, Caleb, uh, Caleb is, McGarry is on the board. Yep. And he's a guy that the Bills ran his workout, uh, So I think another guy that the Bills definitely have legitimate sure. interest in. I think another guy that there's a lot of interest in who had a visit with the Bills, Elton Jenkins uh, from Mississippi State. He's usually right here at this 40 uh, pick. I think that's a, another guy that's rising up boards that, that you might consider taking. He's more of an interior lineman. He can play center, but he can also play guard. So he could come in and play guard right away. But he could be your long-term answer uh, you know, when Mitch, Mitch Morse is done in this league, which he's had some injury history. It might be nice to have a guy that, that could come in and play center. Obviously Irv's not available in this one, but if Irv's there, I, I think that's a, a guy that they're looking to to maybe go with. Um, is So Caleb McGarry is available on, on your yeah, board? Yeah, Caleb, Caleb McGarry's
1: there. Dalton Reisner went two picks before to Jacksonville, which yeah, I yeah. think that happened to us last week as well.
0: Yeah, yeah little yeah,
1: Howard I'm, and McGarry are the top three tackles on this board.
0: And is uh,
1: Elton Jenkins there, too? I believe he He is. I believe he he is. I'm checking right now. Yes, he is.
0: I would say uh for this case where we've addressed the defensive line first I would say one of those two guys and another name that is on my board that I'm looking at that that would be a consideration here. I don't want to do it tonight but as a consideration, Rocky Sin, uh temple cornerback. I know that's a little early for a lot of people to take cornerbacks, but I think he's got a little something that the Bills like. He's a former wrestler, he's a guy that's earned his spot and his position of being considered a top, you know, pick in the draft, not a top pick, but a, a you know, a, top three round guy. Uh, and I think the bills will like that, but I, I would have a tough time passing on one of those two offensive linemen.
1: Well, which one you want to pull the trigger on Jalen for, well, we'll talk defensive end. Let's just say we're going to go D in round three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's go with McCary. I think uh, he's a guy that the bills like he's got, uh, you know, a lot of Eric uh, Turner for the, the OG column of cover one.net did a great write up on him and his write up on him. If you if you like, Draft Twitter and scouting and all that. He did a great one. Uh, I think a lot of guys were down on him when they watched his film. And Eric was originally too. But when you actually go back and watch the film, Eric explains, sometimes watching the film, you have to understand what guys are being taught to do. And so when you watch the film and you say, oh, this guy's no good. He got beat here. He did this. But then when you really go back and watch and, and look at maybe their playbook or how the offensive line coach teaches you see that actually he's being taught to do something specific. So you got to get into the real thick details of it. And then you see, Oh, actually he's a really good prospect. He's just being told to do something in a very different way. So it looks differently. Um, that's not a great explanation of Eric's article. So go read the article, but I think this is a guy that, that has risen up boards because people are starting to understand what he was being told to do translates to the NFL. So I I would take him for sure.
1: All right. Well, we just did. So Caleb McGarry, offensive tackle, he's a second round pick. We're in round three, okay? I want to get an edge guy here, and I'm looking at the board. I'm not sure that this is going to fall this way. I think if it did, Bills fans, certainly the Bills would be happy. Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech is there, and so Zach Allen from Boston College. Greg talked about him in the interview earlier, Zach Allen. He sounds like a guy that would be a really good fit with Buffalo.
0: You know, I haven't heard any Bills interest in him, um, so I don't know if that's something that they're hiding or if that is just a legitimate they don't have interest in. Right. Um, this, if you if you missed on defensive tackle so far in a lot of the mocks I've run, this is actually a good one to turn around and pick up defensive tackle. If you if you if you went edge earlier, you know we keep coming to these examples where you take one thing in the first round, but then you get to the third round or fourth round. And right. there's quite a few guys still available and it defensive is really one of them. I know that people like Oliver, but, uh, Wren is sitting around here quite a bit. Uh, there, there's a couple Sanders. Yeah, Sanders is another guy that's sitting around here. There's a few of them, and those are going to be guys that are there. Another guy that I love at this pick that isn't an edge is uh, Terry McLaurin, a wide receiver of Ohio State, and then uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, another wide receiver, which is still a position in need for the Bills. Um, But if if Greg likes Allen, I I say we go with it. We need to address the edge. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm looking at tight ends, and Jay Sternberger is a guy who's still there too. Do you like him? I do like Sternberger on mine. uh, Dawson Knox is also there and he's a guy that gets a lot of love from people on Twitter because of his athleticism, where Sternberger actually got nailed on his athleticism and athletic testing. Yeah. Um, I don't. So Sternberger is one of those guys where uh, I don't know if you see RAS scores out there. They're, They're like a total of the athletic profile of a player. And it gives them a score based on that. And Sternberger scored very low, almost historically low for tight ends. And that threw a lot of red flags to draft Twitter. I'm not the scout that a lot of my friends are. Uh, I went back and watched some of his cutups, and it didn't make sense. His athletic profile testing didn't make sense to what I saw, so I don't know how big of a red flag it really is. Uh, I like him. I think he's a guy that fits what Buffalo might be looking for. Uh, but I don't know. It might be a little too soon to take him because I don't think he's that much better than – some of the other mid here area tight ends in this draft. Once you get on those top three, it really gets foggy as to, you know, it becomes kind of a, what's your flavor type of thing. And in a crazy twist on my mock over here, Irv Smith went 73rd to the new England Patriots. So right before our pick here, Irv Smith just wow. went off the, in my mock, which would, I think I would have to drink quite a bit of beers if he goes to the Patriots a pick yeah, before us here. And yeah, the third yeah, round be, nonetheless in the third round, I'd be pretty mad. Uh, but I no, I have no problem here taking Zach Allen, the edge, uh, out of Boston college. It's right. definitely a position to need. We don't have anything outside of 2020 right now, uh, on the edge and, and you need to find it. I think another guy right here that he's not going to be on this board, at three, I think Max Crosby's going right around here. And he's a guy that the Bills love. They've had him in. They've I don't know if you got to read his profile. Uh he's he's got a great profile. He fits the process, I think, more than any of these mid round ends. I think he's a guy let's that's Let's take him. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. He, he's We're a guy not, that's we didn't get Frank here. Clark.
1: We struck out yep. getting Frank Clark. So
0: Oh, come on, you're ruining my night. Uh-huh.
1: let's take Max Crosby. I like that guy. I've I've read about him.
0: He's a good fit for the Bills, and I think he's a guy that uh, a lot of sites have him rated higher in the 100s. I don't think he last past round three.
1: Well, let's take him. Dude, we've went beef now first three rounds. We got an offensive tackle. We got a defensive tackle. We got a defensive end. I'll tell you what. We've taken a guy. one up front, man. Let's go. Instead of uh we won't talk ourselves out of anything. I remember from previous mocks, We liked Mike Edwards, a safety from Kentucky, and we also liked Anthony Johnson, a wide receiver from UB, of course. Let's see if either of them are at this spot. We're on the clock here at 112, and if one of them are there, let's see if Anthony Johnson is there, and uh, oh boy, I don't think he's there.
0: And traditionally, this would be a good spot for a running back, but but right. I think they address that with Elden. This isn't a yeah, spot they're taking a yeah, running back. I, listen, we've, we've taken a running back in every one of our mocks,
1: but I think TJ Yeldon, because of that signing, I don't think that happens. Anthony Absolutely. Johnson is there. We've talked about him before previously. Good height. I think he brings something different to the receiving room. You good with taking him here in the fourth round? Sure, let's do it. All right, well, let's go. Anthony Johnson, and let's go right to that last pick here, which will be 131. You kind of talked me into Mike Edwards over the first couple mocks, so... If he's there, I like him a lot, too.
0: He's our uh, consistent pick. Yeah. Another guy, you know, back at that other pick, Anthony Johnson's there. Another guy that I like uh, in that pick who had some issues with drops is Terry Godwin out of uh, Georgia. So is similar kind of to Anthony Johnson, uh big time special teams contributor. So he might be another guy. They're definitely going to I think they're. I, I don't want to say definitely as 100 percent, but I have a very sneaky suspicion that they're, they're going to leave this draft with a, a bigger guy at wide receiver.
1: Mike Edwards, the safety from Kentucky. He is there, 139 overall on their board. You want to take him? We're calling it a day, taking him?
0: Let's take him, but while we're taking him, I do think there's still some tight ends here available that aren't going to blow you away, but they could be fine tight end threes. You got Isaac Nwada out of Georgia, who's a guy that really just lacked touches because of georgia's offense but he also tested poorly athletically he's another one of those guys uh the guy from lsu foster moreau uh is a guy that again they don't have the best passing offense in lsu he's a really good blocker i think that he's a better pass catcher than his tape showed uh drew sample is a actually an excellent blocker and a really well-rounded tight end And, and here on their predictive board he's rated at 199 so he's at least on this mock draft going to be available later so there's guys here that could uh fill a need and maybe they're not going to come in and be your tight end one but I, I do think that the bills are content with tyler croft being tight end one at least for the next couple of years but these guys can come in and be tight end three next year and then maybe take that tight end two job and we're still kind of hoping that jason cream takes that next step so yeah we might not get one of the premier guys at tight end but i think that they can fill out that room with enough talent if they strike out on the top three
1: all right well here is the final buffalo bills mock draft this is the one we're putting our name to dude all right uh at oliver in the first round from houston defensive tackle we got caleb mcgarry the offensive tackle from washington going in two round three we got max crosby edge from eastern michigan then we got the local kid anthony johnson ub wide receiver in the fourth round and then with the second of our two fourth round picks we took mike edwards a safety from kentucky which by the way is the third time in four mocks that we got him, and we uh, and gotta ours. take him now. I honestly, I, I look at this and and I see a very productive draft, not very flashy. I think critics, especially casual critics who don't follow the draft much and know much about a lot of these players, they might complain about the lack of taking a tight end. But overall, man, I'd be very, very happy with this draft, especially with that Oliver. I just, I know, I know what people are saying about him, and I get it, and I and I agree with a lot of it. I just feel like. That guy is going to be a really productive, good football player. If the Bills can get him, I think they're going to get a fantastic player in the front four.
0: Yeah, no, I think he's going to be a very good player in the NFL. All the things that are being said about him aside, I think that we're just getting to the point in the draft process where we're just nitpicking all these guys. I think he's going to be a super productive player. I think what I like most about this draft is we didn't do something where I've done in a lot of drafts where you run offense, 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 and then you feel like you're forced to take a defensive player. It's a really well-balanced draft, and it still addresses the needs all along the way. I think the board fell really nicely for us here.
1: Three guys in the trenches with the first three picks? I think that's like head coach Sean McDermott's dream right there.
0: Hey, man, people people want to talk about how offenses and scoring points win, but when you really got down to the playoff teams this year that succeeded and you walk, go back and watch those games, all those teams won by dominating the line of scrimmage. And if you can't do that uh, in the winter and in playoff football, you're not going to really succeed. I agree with you 100%. Yo, before we get
1: out of here real quick, man, we got to spend at least two, three minutes talking about Game of Thrones Mixed bag, Sunday night's episode, episode two, a mixed bag. I know me and you are on the opposite sides of the fence when it comes to this. Everyone out there, from what I've seen, either loved it or they hated it. No in between. You
0: kind of hated it. Why'd you hate it? I didn't hate it. I kind of didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't love the way the writing right now. Uh, I feel like uh, this is like uh, CW um, network television writing. A lot of bad jokes being inserted. To me, that's lazy. I just I think that it's changed over the last season and a half. Now the writing, since they got away from the books themselves, uh, you can tell that there's a change in the writing. And I just expect more from the highest. Uh, cost show to produce, an HBO show here at the last season. I I think my expectations were just higher. I'm sure that I'll forget all about it once chaos starts to rain down on Winterfell. I'll I'll start to maybe forget about these first two episodes and all the things I didn't like about them. It's not the first couple episodes or first episodes of Game of Thrones that I haven't liked. So I'll get over it. I just I don't love the direction. There were some good scenes mixed into it. Uh, but I just don't like how long things are taking. And the dialogue has really been my my biggest problem.
1: I don't agree with people who didn't like the show for the most part. I did enjoy the episode. It kind of felt like a 1B with last week being 1A. I, I agree that I don't like the jokes. This, this, ain't, this ain't a comedy. I, there were too many jokes, too many one-liners for my liking. I get to trying to break the tension in some regards, but it's a little overkill. So that I do agree with. Overall, though, I liked it. Like I said, it's just... Those moments, those reunions, you're not going to see it again after this episode. Seeing Sansa and Theon, I thought that was awesome. Jamie knighting Lady Brienne. That, I'm not going to lie to you, man. That almost brought me to tears. I thought that was great. There were a lot of cool, really cool moments of the show. I do agree the jokes were a little bit too much. And also, I didn't like twice where something was going to happen where there was an interruption. One of them was with um John and Daenerys where... He, he told her about who he really is and she gave him that look. And before they could really have anything out, they got um, distracted because of the battle coming on. The other thing too was Sansa earlier in the episode with Sansa and um, Daenerys as well. They had a nice, kind of seemed like it was going in a tender conversation, going that route. And then all of a sudden they talked about what would happen after the war with the, with the Night King and things got real tense. But before anything else could go on, they got interrupted as all.
0: You know what I'm saying? That, that's twice. I didn't like that actually three times because also and it didn't cause an interruption, but I really was interested to hear what, uh, Tyrion and Bran talked about Tyrion. The only oh, one will just yeah, yeah, go up to yeah. Bran and say, yeah. Hey man, what's up with you? Why, why are you this way? What have you been through? And it looked like they're about to sit down and discuss. And then they go off to some other scene that disappointed me. The John and Danny, uh, moment really, really, frustrated. That was at my peak of frustration with the dialogue because he he just read off exactly what Sam said to him and you're talking about two people that have had this super intimate, passionate relationship where they've really hedged their whole lives on each other uh moving forward here to to battle the night king and that is how they approach this huge the biggest storyline of the eight seasons so far and that's how it comes to fruition is down in the crypts and he just oh and i am Aegon targaryen like i don't know man the dialogue of that didn't feel like it met the moment
1: look to him dude i'm telling i wouldn't be shocked man she's gonna turn heel i i tweeted about it i said she's gonna turn heel like hulk hogan did on wcw Back at the Beach in the mid '90s, man.
0: Well, they've been, and that's another thing. This I feel like Game of Thrones prior to the last season and a half, the writing didn't really pin off what was going to happen, and I think they're really doing it. To a, to a degree they haven't so far, but uh, multiple times already this season and even last season, people kept asking Tyrion is, are you sure that she's not like her father? Uh, you know, they, they keep alluding to that. Are you sure she's not like him? And I think that, that it's building up for her to be the mad king, you know, show the signs of who he is, which I think is cli- is going to come to fruition here with John telling her that she's going to get crazy and want to kill everybody uh, and, and turn on him and go mad. And so I agree with your, your statement there. I don't know. I just think they're... You know, they, they talked about the Crips. Everybody keeps saying, Oh, the Crips are so safe. The Crips are so safe. They mentioned nah. it four or five times in this episode. Now the Crips are going to get destroyed. Uh, they're just alluding to everything and kind of setting you up to know what's coming. And that's not very Game of Thronesy. Well, I'll tell you what, no matter how
1: you felt about the first two episodes, I think everyone would agree the bar couldn't set, the bar could not be set any higher for this third episode coming yeah. up. With all the hype in the history of this show, I'm expecting one of the great, like, cinematic episodes of TV history next Sunday night and anything less than that, then I am going to be disappointed. I've been very high on these first two episodes. I've been a fan of the show since, well, I don't want to say that. You know what? That'd be a lie. I have not been a fan of the show since day one because I didn't watch the first six seasons. I binged them. And then I started following seven uh, season seven week to week. So I can't say that, but I'm a big fan of the show and I understand why they're doing a lot of what they're doing. Having these moments where all these people from different houses are interacting with each other, That's been cool, but I can understand the lack of action as well. But come next week, if this doesn't live up to expectations next week, then I think you're going to have a little Game of Thrones mutiny on your hand for some fans.
0: The internet might shut down uh, (laughs) if they don't add all this. But one thing that, you know, we talked about worst case scenarios for the Bills draft how about this worst case scenario? Game of Thrones starts up next week. They they we haven't seen uh, Cersei this last episode, so they go over to King's Landing. What if they spend thirty to forty minutes in King's Landing talking politics and Cersei, and maybe a flashback or two? And by the time they get to back to Winterfell, there's five minutes left in the episode, and they don't. Even, <laughs> no, she just no, gets to a no. standoff, and they don't even battle until. <laughs> Nah, uh, it's, it's are you going to be?
1: It's an hour and 22 minutes next week's episode too so I'm, I'm really pumped
0: about it. There better be some battles.
1: There will be, and we'll talk about them next time. I'll tell you what, before we get out of here, one last time, plug what you got going on in cover 1. NFL draft week, I'm sure there's a lot of shit going on over there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It'll take a quick second here. Obviously Jordan Reed's got his draft guide out. So if you haven't purchased that, I don't know if you got enough time to read it. Uh, I'll challenge you to go read it all before the draft. But if you do, it's $10. Go, to, go over to a uh, cover check it out. Jordan Reed's draft guide. While you're there, catch up with all the guys that we've been talking about here on the show tonight. There's scouting reports for a lot of these guys. Uh, we, we just have a lot of work available up at cover1.net. We have a big show coming up here Wednesday. Uh, Cover One Buffalo is, is the podcast that Greg Thompson and myself do for us over at Cover One, and we only talk Bills over there. And we have a big show coming up with Russell Brown, one of our draft scouts, uh, is coming on the show. And we're going to talk about specific targets for the Bills round by round. And then Greg and I are going to run through our final mock draft. Or over there so you can come join us we do that live on youtube so you can join the conversation get in the get in the chat room and, and join us and, and do all that we're also giving away a signed stevie johnson uh picture and a signed trey white picture so two what? people are gonna, yeah two people that are in the chat room are going to win and that's on behalf of the buffalo sports card convention they're our sponsor for the show so if you uh if you come over join in the chat get active in the chat we're going to pick some winners at the end so it's going to be a fun you know our show's always on Wednesdays so it just timed out really well that it's the night before the draft so we're going to do that and then I think after the first pick I'm not going to get on because draft day is like Christmas for me and, and I'm not going to do any work uh, but I think Greg Thompson if you're if you follow our YouTube channel Greg's going to get on and give his immediate reaction to the pick and then once the picks are in stay tuned to cover one because then, then we have a lot more work to do after you know scouting everybody then we'll set, show you how they fit with the Bills. so we're, we're super busy over there and you can find me at Aaron Quinn one six and and find cover one on all your social media networks just search cover one we're there and and it's it's a fun site man you love it you love seeing what we're doing and we love you know that you have us on dude honestly I'm a big cover one fan and I've been a big cover one fan way before I ever started having
1: you on this podcast I had Eric Turner on over a year ago and I'll tell you what after the draft's over I definitely got to get that guy back on the show again
0: Oh, yeah, he's busy right now, but I know he'd love to come back on, especially right after the draft. Uh, He's the the guy to say, hey, now how do these guys fit and and what are the Bills going to do with them? All right, that is going to do it
2: for
1: today. Big thank you again. Greg Gabriel coming on the podcast for a second time. Also, thanks to my man Aaron Quinn from Cover One. He's been a mainstay on this show, and I really enjoy having him on. Guys, if you have not yet done so already, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. This is the end here. This is where I kind of have my call for action, ask you to do a couple things if you enjoy the show. Subscribing is quick. It's easy. It's free. You subscribe. New episodes automatically get sent directly to your phone, your computer, your laptop, your iPad, your Android, whatever it is that you use. Literally within just seconds of being released, have a new podcast every Tuesday and Friday. And the benefit of being a subscriber, one of them is that you're going to get the episode before anyone else does. You can also take a second, rate, and review the show. I know it doesn't sound like much, and it's quick, too. I can't emphasize this enough. It really helps me grow this podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. Also, you can go now and subscribe to our new YouTube page. Just go on YouTube, type in Analytics Podcast, hit subscribe there. You click that little bell so that you get notifications when I put up a new video. I got highlight clips from current and past episodes there. Going to start having some original audio content going up there as well. And last but not least, please go ahead on Twitter. Give me a follow at Pat Moran Tweets. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate each and every single one of you. I say that every week and I really mean it. I'll be back with a new episode on Friday and I can guarantee you with this NFL draft coming, we're going to have plenty to talk about. I'll catch you on the flippity-flip. Bye!